Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Uh, it's my, one of my ways of giving back to the community. 
I've done that in the past with the Scott Fish Bowls, where, you know, I've done probably six pods a year the last two years, where I have three to four guests on at a time, and a good number of them have been um, their first pod ever. And so tonight we're going to do that, uh, our first one here at Fanball, uh, and we're going to give three people a shot who've never had a chance to talk about, uh, who've never had a shot to do a podcast, and they're going to talk about what they love about MFL10s and a little bit about their strategy. Our first guest is Ted Comerford, and you can find him on Twitter at Ted Comerford, and that's C-O-M-E-R-F-O-R-D. Please give him a follow, and Ted, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, you were so excited. You were so excited. You You literally jumped off the page of Twitter at me. You were just so excited to do this. Oh, absolutely. I've never done a podcast in the way that you worded it. Seems, it seemed kind of perfect. I had actually – I think I had heard you in the last couple of weeks on the uh, – on Evan Silva's podcast, uh, Fantasy uh, – whatever, Fantasy Eating podcast. Uh, yeah, Fantasy Feast with Ross Tucker and Evan Silva, which, which was, yeah, which was literally my dream when I first started was to get a shot on that. So when I talk about giving back, that's – that's what I mean, you know. Uh, I uh, what I would have, what I wouldn't have given to have gotten that shot three, four years ago, and it was amazing to me when it happened. So I, I love giving new guys like yourself uh, a shot because the truth is, you know, you could be just as good, if not better, than me at MFL tens. I just talk about it more. I don't know about that, but you know, I, I you know. Just like you you mentioned, I think you nailed in uh, the you know uh, points of MFLs why they exist and you know you know why they're fun. Uh, I, I think I am just as addicted as anybody else who got into fantasy football, got into season long, uh, did the exact drudge that you talked about. Uh, loved it so much that I ended up joining a bunch of leagues, played in way too many, and then the management just kills you. Uh, so. You know, after you know, trying to manage 20 leagues week after week is impossible. You know, so uh, it, it can be done. I still do that kind of thing, <laughs> sadly. Uh, but in terms of like, I think they have moving I into think best they have ball. medication. I think they have medication for that, though. <laughs> yeah, they they probably do. I, I believe they you know it's probably labeled under addiction at some point. But uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I yeah, like it definitely. Uh, was something that I, you know, I picked up on, you know, probably five or, well, I've probably been playing for about 10 years and probably been maybe like playing competitively for maybe the last six or seven years. Uh, And then best ball only really for the last four years with a major dip in that second year, the first year I dove in, uh, I I definitely got eaten by sharks a hundred percent taught a lesson uh, and probably played in like, you know, probably only played in like 10 leagues that year, but I was playing with people well above my means. And one of the great things you talked about of MFLs that a lot of people I don't think know is that you get to play against a lot of the top people in you know, fantasy writers, you know, the people that are literally making projections, the people that are, you know, the, you know, the best in the game, uh, which is exciting, you know, and it's even more exciting when you get to actually beat them. Uh, but exactly. that first year, I, exactly. I, 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 I did, I didn't do it very often. <laughs> uh, we'll say that. And the second year I kind of dipped off. And then last year I kind of just went in full force. I knew I was going, I, I told myself I was going to do 30 leagues. I ended up doing about 39 leagues. And that was because I kept getting invited to leagues uh, by some of the same people. Like, you know, people, you know, like, you know, even like play, I played in a couple of leagues with Evan Silva, people like that. Like if I have a chance to do that, I'm going to jump into a league with an expert. Uh, just because There's I, no doubt that. That's how you make your. Book. I want to learn. Oh, absolutely. Well, you, I want to you learn. want to learn. You want to, you know. But again, I talked about being competitive. You know, look, I respect the hell out of all these people that do what you know. The, you know, especially ones like Evan. But if I can beat Evan in a league, that that's that's even better. Uh, yes, and I, I, I uh, a heartbreaking story from last year is I did beat Evan in one league, uh, in a, in MFL twenty five even. And then in another MFL 25, he beat me by less than two points. He beat me, <laughs> in, two, he beat, he beat me in two leagues that I came in second last year. I do think I beat him in one. 
Um, I had a great year, but in both of those teams, I was well ahead going into like week eight or nine. Uh, and then he just kept getting closer and closer, and then he passed me. And uh, but, uh, but that, that's, that's, that's what ahead. happened to me too. I, 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 that is exactly what happened to me. Exactly like uh, like he definitely knows that slow and steady wins the race. And the league that he beat me in, uh, as soon as Deshaun Watson went down, I knew I was I was probably done for. But I was on a hot streak until then. <laughs> well, um, and injuries make think- cowards. Injuries make cowards of us all. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, as good a year as I had last year, I mean, I had a a significant, my most owned first round player was Odell Beckham. So, you know, you, you you know, I'm like, well, I almost won 20% last year. And if Odell Beckham didn't go down, that could, but you, you just don't know. Um, so, you know, we're talking about things that you like about the leagues, um, just give me your favorite, you know, non, I want, you know, I guess you already did, right? You're competing against people, uh, especially. Competing against pros. pros. Competing against people who are thinking about it more than I am, you know. You know what? That is, I like that, you know, and that wasn't even on my list, which makes it even better. Um, Why don't you tell me some of your, um, Thoughts on the changeover and how you like the new software on Fanball? It's 100% better. It's not even close. It's so much easier to check. Uh, you know, the, the, the MFL leagues uh, last couple of years were just cumbersome, and this new software is great. Uh, I love being able to just kind of – one, I love that it's already kind of managing very easily – uh, the multi-league draft. So I can I, right now, as we're talking on the phone, I'm monitoring two leagues. You know, I'm about to be on the clock in two leagues, uh, and I can just look down and say, like, oh, like I love the interface where I can go into the players. I can quickly go into history, and more importantly, it makes it real easy to look at other people's teams, which I love because uh, for after the first few picks in an MFL, I dictate my. I, I, I'm strategy-wise, I'm probably leaning more towards hyper fragile. A lot of times, uh, I find that that ends up giving me the best chance to win. A lot of like, I'm not afraid to. I'm not afraid to draft four running backs. Just I'm not as long as I get them early. But I like being able to see that. Oh, hey, I don't. I don't pick for it. I'm not going to have another pick for 17 picks, and nobody has a quarterback yet. If there's a quarterback run, I'm done. So I have to do something like I like being able to maneuver that way. And, and the old website, of course you could do that. It just was harder and it was really hard from the phone, but I love the new interface. You know, it seems like it's just a lot more streamlined and it seems like it's made for players. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that is uh, some great information. And then on top of that, you also kind of got into my next question, which will kind of be our last one with you, but we can go into it for a few minutes is tell me some of you, you mentioned hyper fragile, uh, but tell me some of your favorite strategies and it could be, you know, anything or anything you've learned or anything that you used to do that you don't do anymore. Uh, just give us some of the benefit of your wisdom. <laughs> well, I, I don't know how much wisdom that I wasn't a joke. But... I mean, sometimes I make, <laughs> I, don't, jokes, I don't know how much, but I, 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 I yeah, mean, I... I think you, we all have wisdom and I want to know yours. Uh, one of the things I don't like doing is I don't like drafting rookies. So I will own until uh, Saquon Barkley ends up on an NFL roster that I can confirm that he's there. I'm not drafting him. No matter, like unless he falls into the third round, there's no chance of me taking a player like that because I just don't know. And I don't like doing that, especially early. Uh, the thing I've noticed with wait, before pre-draft this year is I'm much more conservative because it kind of everybody else is I'm playing off that and all of a sudden running backs are back. So, uh, you know, it's like, if you don't take a running back in the first three rounds, you're probably not going to get anybody that you feel confident uh, week to week, uh, at least playing in best ball. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of, you know, I definitely fall into that. Mike Beers, uh, another fantasy writer, fantastic. Uh uh, hyper-fragile, which, you know, his thing is that, you know, you really where you're going to make your bones is wide receivers. Uh, you know, tight ends just doesn't matter very much. Uh, and, you know, I think they have the lowest win rate, if I'm correct, in that. 
Uh, you would probably know better than me. Uh, you know, I, I, for, in terms of strategy, I usually go heavy wide receiver. I'm a quarterback late person unless I get a steal on somebody great. Uh, and then I, this year I'm just trying to get, you know, try a couple running backs early and then just pick off wide receivers the, you know, the rest of the rounds. Uh, I feel confident that there's a good wide receiver and really the first 14 rounds I've noticed that, yeah, I can get someone that I'm happy with. Um, after that, you know, I, for defenses, I usually go for people who had down years in the last couple of years where I feel confident about, confident about the defense coming back. Like, uh, say like the chargers were a year ago, like teams like that, uh, you know, um, I feel very confident that Houston might be one of those teams this year. So it's a team that I think that I think the defense could explode. Um, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's pretty much, let, let me, uh, let me I ask guess, you for lack one of more. Uh, yeah, no, that was good stuff. And, you know, I, I do think that a little bit on raw, you know, I mean, t- just to answer your question, tight ends and quarterbacks have less of a chance of getting a huge win rate. But you can you can almost you know there are tight, the quarterbacks and tight ends who almost double the average. Mm-hmm. So I think every position is important. Um, but but you know it, I think you got the key thing out of that. Um, let's go with uh, give me your. We'll finish with give me your favorite person that you can get almost every draft because you think that he's so good that he's being drafted way too late. And and besides the rookies, is there one player that you're fading where you look at his ADP uh, average draft position and just say, yeah, not for me? Uh, there's a, there's, I mean, the thing is everybody has a price, you know. So uh, a player that I'm I'm really high on this year is Hunter Henry. Uh, so love it. You know he's obviously he's he's not a player. I mean, I mean obviously a player that everyone probably knows about. But you know, I have I I wouldn't be surprised. I I could I can make a scenario for myself where Hunter Henry's t- tight end one uh, with a bullet, and there's no question, especially with Antonio Gates out of the way. And then in terms of fading, there's quite a few guys <laughs> I'd fade. Well, like just a, give a, us one because I got to get to the next guy. But give us you sure. know the the one guy that you're just really fading. Uh, I think in the top rounds, well, I mean, I'll even go, I'll, I'll go middle rounds. Like the guy that I, I'm fading the most is right now it's Dez. Uh, I just don't see, I, I don't see any way. Like I see him, he's in this going in the top four rounds still. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that's going to change, but I don't see a scenario where, uh, you know, unless he lands in the perfect situation where he is a, you know, has a wide receiver one upside. I don't, I don't see it anymore. I haven't seen it in years. Uh, I'm happy to eat my words and happy to take him if he keeps, if he falls into the seventh round or something, but uh, he's a player that I, I got you. All right. Well, that, that was um, overall really good stuff. Um, You you broke your cherry on podcasts. Hopefully you'll (laughs) get uh, more chances to do it. You can find him on Twitter at Ted Comerford, C-O-M-E-R-F-O-R-D. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Ted, I'm really glad you got your shot to come on. Uh, loved your enthusiasm and, you know, look forward to uh, – are, are you also Ted Comerford in MFLs? Or do you have uh, a I'm different name? Low Watt, uh, it's, it's Low Watt Football, which actually is actually the name of – Low Watt is the name of my recording studio that I run as my day job. Uh, but it's Low Watt MFL 10. So I'm in there with the, – I'm actually playing playing versus you in a few leagues already this year. So Yeah, well um, – I'll see you in there. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to see how we do. Uh, now I'll keep an eye out for you going forward. I know I'm in a league with our third guest today. Uh, we're back-to-back in a league, I noticed. Uh, but, Ted, thank you so much for coming on. Our next guest is thank Diego you. Lopez. You can find him on Twitter at Diego24FPS. Diego, welcome to the Run to Daylight Fanball podcast. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me. Hey, that's great. I uh, I got, you know, I'm looking at your Twitter page. You got, like, the most adorable boy, young son. <laughs> uh, God bless there. 
Um, Thank you. The the takes there flying from Chicago, (laughs) but I got to ask you, what's Banana Land movie, and how does it tie into Mr. Diego Lopez? Oh, man. Well, I'm excited to get a chance to talk about Banana Land movie. I didn't expect that. Um, It's a documentary I worked on a couple years ago uh, looking at the effect of bananas in Central and South America over the last 120 years. So, you know, uh, if you like bananas, then maybe get ready to not eat as many after you watch that doc. But I do encourage Uh people to watch it (laughs) because before I I worked on it, I didn't really know. My family is from Mexico and Central America, but I didn't know anything about the history of bananas and in that area. And I learned a lot, you know, bananas, I still like them. They're still a great fruit, but uh, you know, the banana companies not so much. And that's, that's what I do is my day job. I'm a video editor. I do a lot of documentary stuff. Uh, so I appreciate so you. We had that a up. sound engineer and now we have a video engineer, man. I kind of hit the, the, the mother load when it came to guests. It's, it's us guys that get to sit at desks all day and have Twitter open, you know? Hey, that's uh that's, I think that's a lot of people's, uh, that's a lot of people's dreams. So, are you? Uh, you also seem pretty excited to get a chance to talk on a pod. Um, tell us a little bit about that, and uh, and a little bit about yourself. Besides Benet, yeah. So, right. So, uh, my my Twitter account doesn't have a ton of fantasy football stuff on it because I don't feel like uh, that's quite yet what people are looking at me for. Uh, but I interact a lot in the, in the mentions with fantasy. Um, you know, it's, fantasy is one of those things where I feel like you need to have a lot of fire under you to be able to get into it now because there's a lot of saturation. So uh, it's something I've had in the back of my mind that, that I'll start writing probably just for myself uh, and, and just practicing it and, you know, starting to get into finding a niche, you know, because right now the people that are, are climbing fast are the people that are finding niches. And there's still, exactly. there's still some niches to find. Exactly what you know? I did. So, exactly what yeah, I did with best you, ball. You got it now. And uh, but you know it's some it's it's like I was saying this on a, a pod I was uh, lucky enough to guest spot on and I said I said you know on one hand you know I intentionally went after best ball because there wasn't a lot of experts and because I love the format so much but you know there, now that you know it's just human nature it's funny you get what you wanted and then you're like but wait i'm good at dynasty too i'm 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 good at season long too you know but right. I, I think your i think your point is um is very accurate so i hope you do find a niche that fits you uh diego uh, tell us a little bit about your history with mfl 10s how many have you done in the past and how many do you plan to do this year yeah, so I, I describe myself as a, as a small fish, low volume. When I responded to your uh, to your request, there, I I started in 2015. Um, I think it was Mike Margosian that that I was following on Twitter. Um, That's I don't know who I, I was following. Yeah, yeah, and he uh, was talking about MFL tens, and I just decided to look into it. And I started with just five. Uh, over the last couple of years, I've only done about a, a little bit over a dozen, mostly because I hate to lose money, and <laughs> I'm just trying to keep keep myself at a slow drip. Um, but I would love to do more. I think I'm probably going to convince myself to do more. Um, I really enjoy them. I mean, it's, it's become the completely replaced. I'm sure everybody says this, but they've completely replaced mock drafts for me. There's no use for mock drafts anymore. Um, it's just a way to keep, you know, to keep my ax sharp in terms of player evaluation, situation evaluation. I think over time uh, it's given me a bigger reason to pay attention in the off season uh, which is useful not only for – I mean, right now there's guys like uh, J.J. Zacharyson that's putting on a ton of stuff uh, data-wise that helps explain a lot of the things we kind of feel about players and situations. And he doesn't really have time to do that during the, during the season. And right now you can get a lot of that information from him. Uh, and beyond that, it also, I've realized over time, helps me get to know the thought process of the people that I follow that are fantasy analysts. And I get to get more familiar with how they think you know, what players they really like, the sort of things that they are good at identifying. Um, and so that in once the season starts, if I am looking for opinions on a certain player, then I can kind of, uh, you know, it's like knowing your source. I have a better idea of uh, where this analyst comes from and, and what they've thought of that player throughout the off season. Cause we all know that everyone's opinion changes, you know, it's like a roller coaster ride. And uh, so it's, it's been really helpful, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So um, that was all very logical and very intelligent, and you're very, very well-spoken. I think if you do invest more in it, you definitely would have a shot to get somewhere. Um, So, again, I wish you luck in getting your niche. Um, But since you have done some, what's what's the number one thing that you've learned from an expert that you incorporate Mm -hmm. into your own MFL? That's a great question. I think, and, and no, I didn't pay him, you know, to say something nice about me. So go go ahead. Uh, I don't think you're gonna say anything <laughs> about me. But but my point is, just don't feel the need to to say anything about me. Go ahead. Well, specifically with MFL tens, uh, the one thing I've learned from an expert. So Sigmund Bloom is one of my favorite fantasy football followers in general, and great podcaster. He he sort of brings a totally different angle to it. And one of the things he says is to have an end game in mind. And, and so what that means is, you know, are you going to be draft? Are you going to be waiting to the last two or three rounds to draft your defense? Or, you know, is there a, a late round running back that you might want to get? And your end game, I think, affects what you do in the, you know, rounds 12 to 16. So if, if I want a guy that I don't think is, anyone is going to take, like maybe I want, for example, this year, TJ Yeldon is probably someone that I, I can most, most likely get in the, you know, 16 plus, 18 plus rounds. Uh, if I'm going to draft them, then I need to leave room in my roster to have, you know, only drafted four running backs or five running backs up to that point. And that might affect where I end up drafting defenses, for example. So, like, if I don't like uh, a running back or a wide receiver in the 12 to 16 rounds, then, well, probably more like 16, 17 rounds, then maybe I'll go ahead and draft defense, even though most Sharps don't like to draft one at that point. So I think that's one of the things that helps me because I, I like to plan ahead. I'm very indecisive, so <laughs> I like to plan ahead, and that's been helping me, I feel like, over the well, last couple of years. One thing I'll, I will say is that, you know, there's a lot of talk about the ideal way to do this or that in best ball, and there are some things that are definitely not ideal. But I think mm-hmm. within the realm of what's ideal, we all have to incorporate our own personalities. Right, like if I wanted to right. draft like Mike Beers, I don't think I'd be as successful as I am, and I don't think mm-hmm. I'd be as successful as Mike Beers because that's not my strength. So when you mention the fact that you plan things out, I think there's a lot of value in doing that. And you you threw out the idea about the defense, of, you know, and how, you know, like I wouldn't draft a defense. But just in listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but you know what? If there's, if I'm really struggling to find someone, right? but there's a, a great defense there, maybe sometimes I should be open to it. And, and what's great is that, you know, I, I, you know I, I don't believe in being dogmatic. And what I mean by that is rules are, are, are guardrails. They're, they're meant to be mm-hmm. there, you know, but you always have to also be willing to have an exception to that rule. So that's my little bit of a take on what you said. But go on to your next point. Um, so one of the things I've been doing is also considering – so I think uh, Mike Beers, his, his uh, roster construction is super helpful. Uh, but related to that, one of the things I, I think of when I'm drafting is I want to consider what position I want to carry my team, or at least what position I, I hope will carry my team. Um, and this probably leads into uh, zero, zero running back or any of the other named uh, drafting uh, strategies. But, like, right now, for example, in this year, there's a lot of running backs flying off the board real fast. And by the time the middle of the second round comes around or even the end of the first round, you're, you're, you're maybe picking some guys you don't, you don't really want. Um, and I'm a bit of a contrarian as well. So maybe I'll start taking wide receivers and let those running backs fall. Um, you know, like, do I want to draft the 26th or 30th running back off the board or the 18th or 20th wide receiver off the board? You know, and knowing that going into it, I also know that, all right, now once I've drafted my wide receivers, I need to start bulking up my running backs. And it might not hit, you know, a lot of fantasy in general, but MFL is more so, I feel like, is, is luck. You know, you might end up just stepping on a lot of landmines, and no matter how you drafted, you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have saved you, you know. Um, so that that's one thing. One, one of the other things. Let, let me again, let like me jump like, in for a sec. Ahead. Let me jump in for a sec on that because you brought up something interesting. Um, 
you know, do I want to draft the 26th versus the 18th? I think that's pretty good logic. And that's why I talk about tier drafting a lot. And right. basically, I don't care if a guy's 26th or 18th, but I do care if I feel like I'm dropping a tier, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't, if the 26th running back, I think, is almost as valuable as the 18th wide receiver, then I'll take the running back. Because, you know, because you do have to consider right. positional scarcity. But if I think the 26th running back is clearly not as good as the 18th wide receiver, there's no way he's going to score as many points, well, then I don't want to drop a tier just to draft a running back. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Tier drafting, I think, helps me a lot. Not everybody uses it, but I think it's a, it's, it makes a difference because you're not just draft, you're not, it's not a linear list of quality of players, at least what you think they are. You know, there, there could be a big difference between two different players based on tiers. Yeah, I would rather draft two running backs later that, you know, both have less than an ideal shot to be good than drop, than pass on a wide receiver I really like for a running back that I'm met about. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to force a pick because then you're going to feel bad about it, you know, which is another thing I think NFL tends help a lot with just just learning how to deal guilt. with the emotions of a draft. <laughs> well, uh, it, it, it helps with guilt. Right, like it helps you guilt. to feel guilty when you do something stupid. Oh wait, that wasn't what you were talking about. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, it helps. Um, it helps to recover from. So, like, if you get sniped by someone you you know by someone right before you, and you really wanted this guy, and you had no one on your list after that that you wanted just as much, you got to deal with that. You know, you got to um, you got to pick somebody, right? So over time, doing NFLs helps me get a, a better opinion on more players. So even if it's players that I'm not excited about there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to be wrong about them anyway. So I can still take them because I have listened to someone else's good opinions on it. And, and it just helps me when I'm doing the, the drafts that I you know, really care about with my friends and family to not uh, go on tilt, you know, when, when something happens that I was hoping wouldn't. Yeah. Well, one thing that, you know, you brought up another interesting point that, you know, one of the differences between best ball and, you know, drafting in a season long is uh, most season long leagues have trading during the draft, where MFLs you you can't do that. Um, you know, when I when I drop it, you know, if someone trades, you know, if someone takes my guy and snipes me, and he's the last guy in a tier in a regular draft, I can trade out. I could trade back. Maybe there's someone there who still has someone on a tier that they like. You don't have that in best ball. And that's, you know, that's where at times we end up having to make less than optimal choices, but having a plan for those less than optimal choices is part of getting better at best ball. Right. And then, you know, having seen it before, you know, it's, it's, it's practice. And if you saw it once already, then you're, you're better equipped to deal with it the next time, I think. Yeah. It's like arguing with your wife. Yeah. <laughs> if she's in the next so, room, so uh, i got to be careful. <laughs> oh, well, of course. Uh, I, I podcast <laughs> far away from uh, any mortal uh, wife. Um, so <laughs> any last thoughts that you'd like to share with everyone uh, on MFL 10s, on your strategies, uh, any player that you, you know, like I yeah. asked Ted, is there, a, is there a guy that you're, you know, if you, you could draft him, a, you know, in 100% of your drafts because he always seems to be there, um, you just think he's underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not. I haven't done enough yet where there's a guy that I notice is always there. But um, two two things that I feel like for the last two years have, have guided me are uh, thinking about post hype sleepers and thinking about post draft fallers. So with post post hype sleepers, like people in fantasy, put I love in a that, lot of work. I love. I mean, people in, in people in you fantasy put in a lot of work. Me. Tweet those at me yeah, after the show, and and remi- and we we need to have a tweet storm conversation about this afterwards too but go ahead it's it, it can lead to an edge because you're using you're standing on the work of other people so for post high sleepers people spend a lot of time in the off season building their opinions building the the argument the case for a certain player and then if it doesn't happen that year a lot of times people just discard all that work and say well okay i guess it was no good i guess todd Gurley sucks now and i won't draft him anymore right but maybe they were right 
So, for example, last year, if you were in the second round and you got, quote, unquote, stuck picking Todd Gurley and DeAndre Hopkins, you were like, oh, well, I guess I got to make that pick. You probably had a good chance of winning your league. And it wasn't by mistake. It's because the, the theory and you know, all the thought and all the facts, the measurables, the situations um, that people had worked at, um, you know, thinking about and putting together, they might still exist. Or maybe they're just a year early. You know, sometimes people are good enough at scouting talents and scouting opportunities. They're just a year early. So maybe give it another shot. So one of the guys, and this is a little weird because uh, uh, the Raiders aren't exactly everyone's favorite team right now, but Derek Carr is falling pretty far in the rankings for quarterbacks where I'm seeing guys like Patrick Mahomes get drafted over him, which I know why people love Mahomes, but that seems a little weird to me. Last year, people were pumping him up, and he was in this, in this tier with Derek. Uh, it was Derek Carr, James Winston, and Marcus Mariota. Like, we're kind of always yep. – and Kirk together Cousins. and and Kirk Cousins, yeah. Um, and Jameis and and Marcus Mariota this year, I don't feel like they're getting penalized as much as Derek Carr is being penalized for a bad 2017. You know, and I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't draft Carr early, but it's something to keep in mind for guys like that that are falling, like Amari Cooper, obviously the same team, uh, to a lesser degree, Mike Evans, he doesn't fall that far, right? But um, guys like that, uh, the the work was put in to, to call them good, good picks last year they might be good picks this year and if the price is low enough I think it's worth doing you, you might want to hold your nose when you do it um, but I think it's worth thinking about you know Terrell Pryor is another one of those guys I'm not sure that he's really in a great situation um, but you know we, we've seen that uh, that McCown can get the ball to his receivers um, get, you know one guy that has been falling that I haven't quite made an opinion on yet is is Amir Abdullah I never really liked him that much, and, and I didn't think that he was in a great spot, and he's probably not in any of a better spot, but you could probably get him at the very end of your draft. Um, you know, guys like uh, Cameron Brait, you know, everyone loves O.J. Howard, but maybe it's going to be Cameron Brait this year. Uh, Tyler Eifert is another guy. Um, and he's one of the ones – Eifert is one of the ones that I think might be climbing soon, but <laughs> sometimes people take – Well, sometimes with him, it's people more take that about – With him, it's more about his health, but – Definitely uh, sure. get to me on Twitter. I got to get to Nick next. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to keep these uh, pods under an hour. Uh, most people like to keep them under forty-five minutes, but I'm 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 just not disciplined enough. Um, I, I, I there's just too many good things to talk about every week. I love what you just said. I think it is um, really good stuff, and I also think that um, you know I'm. I think that Derek Carr, just to answer the specifics, I think that mm-hmm. people blame him more for his bad play, where Mariota and Winston, I think they more blame the coaching in Mariota's case and somewhat in um, in Winston's as well. But it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Diego Lopez, really good stuff. I was absolutely thrilled to have you on and uh i hope we get to talk a lot more on twitter thanks for being on the pod yeah thanks i enjoyed it all right that was uh diego lopez you can find him on twitter at diego 24 fps the takes they were flying i you know i there's nothing i like more than truth and advertising and diego was absolutely everything he promised on his twitter page Our next guest is Nick Robinson. Um, Caveat time, I said these guys hadn't podcasted. Nick actually had one uh, quick appearance on a pod before. I found that out after I had uh, said yes and I wasn't going to go back. Uh, You can find Nick on Twitter at Nairobi03, and Nairobi spelled N-I-R-O-B-I-03. He's a husband, a father of two beautiful girls, but he's on Twitter for Fantasy Football, Dynasty Keeper, Best Ball, Redraft, in that order, and now he's on the Run to Daylight podcast. Nick, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Awesome. I'm glad that we were able to get you on. You, you also were pretty excited. Well, tell me about that <laughs> pod that you were on. You made it seem you know, like it wasn't much, and uh, just, to, you know, <laughs> just talk about that experience a little bit. Yeah, so uh, Gabe Gearing had a uh, podcast. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was focused on uh, our specific league 
and I believe he stopped doing it. I don't think he did it for too long. But uh, one of my league mates that I'm in, a, in Dynasty with was on, and he was talking about some trades, and then I responded to the t- Twitter conversation, and they ended up having me on to kind of dispute some of the takes he had. So uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was focused on our league specifically. So, Gotcha. So really, for, from a broader sense, this is your first chance. And uh, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about your history with MFL 10s, how many you've done in the past, how many you're planning on doing this year, and how excited were you to be in a draft right next to me? <laughs> That's never fun. But uh, Well, no, no I, uh, it was, I, <laughs> I looked up today and I was picking, and I, I had just written down your Twitter address so that I could talk about yeah. it during the show. And I'm like, holy cow, I've been drafting right next to Nick for the last couple days. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I absolutely love MFL 10. So the real reason I joined, uh, which started back in actually 2015, I was looking back today, um, and I found out about those in, I believe, July. I did one of them, and then once I really understood the best ball draft-only format, I was absolutely hooked because I was already maxed out at my league limit. I was at nine or ten leagues, and managing those throughout the year was just almost impossible already. And then I could found out I could draft slow draft. I didn't even know what that was until these. And just being able to draft and not have to worry about them the rest of the year was really why I got hooked in. And that I think that's the biggest part about it. I can it is like a draft drug. And, it absolutely is. I mean, is. You, you know, like you could, like if, if it came in liquid form, you could definitely put it in a needle and just inject this crap right, <laughs> on, right into my veins. I mean, it is absolutely. so addicting to getting to, you know, it's like you know, to be able to, you know, go all these years and have to, you know, punish yourself in a way and keep yeah. yourself to three leagues, four leagues, whatever it is you can reasonably handle. Uh, yeah. You know, and for me, some people will go for like 10 leagues, but then they'll suck in all of them. I'm too proud yeah. for that. Like, so I yeah. always kept it to a number of leagues that I could handle. And like, and then all of a sudden it's like just $10. And, and and I could draft. So <laughs> what you're describing is much much closer to to my own experience. Awesome. Yeah. So but in 2015 going. is when I yeah. So I, I think I found out about them in July, and I did one of them, and then a couple of weeks later I did one in early August, and then I ended up doing 15 by the time the season started. So I think I was in like something like 12 drafts on the last couple of days, like August 28th. I just threw in a hundred bucks and just went, I was like, all right, I'm doing these. So I think I ended up doing 15 my first year. Uh, did not do well, <laughs> but uh, I, I read a little bit about it, but I didn't really know the best. I think that one of the biggest thing is the, your structure of your roster. And I didn't really have that down to a T. I had three defenses in every single league. And um, so the next year I was able to learn from that. And I, I think I was in, something like 70 leagues the last couple of years each. Yeah. So uh, I think that uh, roster construction is important. And, you know, it's it's frustrating when you, uh, you know, my first year I did, I think it was 87. <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> I was, I was winning like 15% um and or seventeen percent was in second place and seventeen percent and then I remember Jamal Charles got hurt and then you know and yep. then another running back went down and another running back went down <laughs> and I, I finished like at you know ten percent off of breaking even and I was just so disappointed because I had put so much effort into it and it was going so well and then injuries <laughs> kinda just you know killed me. But uh you know, it's uh, so. How many do you plan on doing this year? Since you're already uh, revving up, and uh, we're in a couple. To, I've seen you a couple times. Yeah, so I'm only in five right now. Last year I did a lot early. As soon as they came out, I joined five within the first couple of days after they after my fancy league uh, released them. And I did not do too hot in those. So this year I wanted to keep my leagues that I joined pre the NFL draft to a minimum, just so I can kind of. I'm not that great at projecting where people are going to go and what, what it has effect. So I think it kind of yep. adds a little bit more luck to it. So I just kind of wanted to wait until I at least see where they, where they draft. And then, 
Well, uh, he might be on my on my radar, but not until the last week of the preseason. See if he can actually throw a football. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I plan on probably hitting right around that seventy league again this year. Oh, that's great. Um, um, I got. I've been. I was talking to someone about my ums. I, I got to get rid of the ums <laughs> if I ever want to do more in this industry. So. <laughs> The next question I have is about the experience on Fanball, since you played a lot on MFLs. And just if you're out there listening and you're wondering, there's a lot of features that are still coming. There's a, a big wish list, and I know a lot of uh, – there's going to be a bunch of upgrades right around the NFL draft. Uh, I won't go into all of them, but – you know, just the basic drafting and looking up your teams. You know, Fanball bought these in December and ready to draft two months later. How how well do you yeah. think they're doing? How do you like the experience and the new features? I absolutely love it. Yeah, I think it's great. I've been doing the all five of them so far. I've been the pay the top three instead of the top two. Uh, I'll probably switch to top two after the NFL draft, but again, I'm trying to not 100% percent confident yet so i just wanted to give myself a little bit more chance to earn something back there um that itself yeah, is a strategy yeah absolutely yeah and then uh i've been doing the four hours because i love the overnight timeout because oh i love I, it too i've got i've got a couple kids so sometimes i fall asleep at nine o'clock at night and then yeah, if i I'm wake old. up wake up with them <laughs> yeah so I'd, I'd be getting up at four in the morning, a daughter cry, and I'd have to check real quick to make sure I'm not on the clock in any leagues. And then I got to actually focus to make sure I don't just randomly pick somebody. So that, that overnight drafting is by far the biggest feature addition that I'm just a huge fan. I wish they did it on the eight hour, just a couple hours. Cause there have been a time. I think a they times. might. I, I, I talked to Scott fish recently and I think they might add an hour or two to overnight. Uh, I, I, but you know, now that I'm doing the four hours, with the the big overnight delay, I don't know that I'll switch. It's funny because, you know, but that that overnight that you know, you're absolutely right. I would wake up, you know, I do twelve, thirteen, fifteen at a time. So yep. if I go to bed at ten o'clock, there's no way that I'm not going to probably be on the clock before I go to, I wake up. So I'd wake up at three in yeah. the morning. Old guy problems. You got to hit the head. <laughs> come back out. You break. You take your phone and you're like, oh. I'm up in three drafts, and then it's hard to go back to sleep. So, uh, yeah, exactly. I love the I, I love the four hour uh, with the seven hour uh, clock. Yeah, for sure. So um, let's let's spend the rest of we got about five minutes. Let's go into your strategies. Uh, what are some of your favorite strategies? Who are some of your favorite experts? Things of that nature. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been going two defenses. Right now, I know it's kind of boring to start off on the defense, but I think uh, early on. Not, not with uh, me. I, I write about defense more than <laughs> pretty much anyone. Yeah, so I've, my big thing is there is defenses aren't going to lose their job. They're not going to get injured. They're not going to get in trouble. So having two, you know you're going to have two going into the season, uh, whereas you could draft three defenses and then only be down to maybe four running backs. And then – a surprise, Barthy falls into, and he steals somebody's job, and there goes your defense, your running back. So then you're down to three on the year, or four on the year, depending on how how else you're structured. So, um, yeah, I've been doing tight ends a little bit earlier than I will, I believe, we're going later. But I think uh, like Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey, I think that going early there doesn't really hurt me because they're scoring as much as the other running back and wide receivers in that area. So while I know you can grab some later, I think that even if I grab two of them sometimes, that's a decent flex flex option as long as they both do pretty well. Um, so it, currently until we kind of know how free agency is going to play out, most of that's already done, but the draft doesn't affect it a lot in the tight end area. But I've been going tight ends a little bit earlier than I normally would. Um, typically like to go running back early, um, a couple that I am – passing on typically are um, Alvin Kamara, Hunt, and Fournette. I think in that late first area, mid to late first, if I don't get one of the one of my favorite five running backs, then I go re- receiver there. 
Yep. That's good. That's all good stuff. Um, people can find you on Twitter at – why don't you give the Twitter address again? Yeah, it's uh, N-I-R-O-B-I-0-3. What, what does that stand for? So, I, I should change it. I didn't know what Twitter was when I joined it. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize that that handle was actually going to mean something someday. Not that I'm important, but just if somebody wants to look me up or if they're just responding to me. That was my I thought you might have username. been from Nairobi. Nope. <laughs> Nick Robinson, shortened down. That was the automatic username oh, okay. that college gave to me. So I just used the same username when I went to Twitter and Facebook and all that, and then now it's actually a handle that I, people I ended have to up look for. PTA, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I mean, I grew up in New Jersey, and I used to call into Ross Tucker all the time, and it was Todd from PA. So I thought, ah, if there's anyone out there listening, now I'm freaking Todd from PA forever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I I think that this was awesome. And I think you did awesome, as all three guys did awesome today. Uh, we'll be doing this kind of pod, I would say, about once a month, once every two months. We'll do it at least three times, give different uh, new guys uh, a chance to get a podcast in under their belts, uh, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. This is uh, uh, one of the things I really enjoy about podcasting, having guys on and and uh, talking to people who get their first shot. So uh, next week on the pod, we're going to be talking um, to one of the, the 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 real guys who, I mean, the real deal. If you think I'm the real deal, wait till you meet next week's uh, guest, uh, Broadway G on Twitter. He is phenomenal. He's won a lot of money on best ball, and he's been consistent. Looking really, really uh, forward to having him on. I don't even know that he's been on too many pods, but uh, but he he's he's the real deal. So hang out next week. Um, I want to thank again everyone for listening. I want to thank my guests, uh, Nick Robinson, Ted Comerford, Diego Lopez. Great job, everyone. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, you can find me on Twitter at Todd from PA. Uh, if you get a chance, you could also shoot a note to Fanball, tell them you like the pod and the articles. That would be cool, too. And remember that Fanball is the new home of MFL 10s, and now more states are able to play again. There's more options and more fun. So that's going to do it for tonight's episode uh, about all the things we love about MFL 10s and the benefits beyond just uh, hoping to be profitable. Uh, Good night, everyone. Thank you very much.